Brisbane Wakes Up with Steph, Abby and Matt on B105. Hello there, podcasters. What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, 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 hey. What? I know I'm late to the... To the table with this, yeah. so bear with me. Okay, but could you um, maybe leave a comment or review the podcast? Because now I've just realised how important it is to do that. Why? Well, because then this podcast is not recommended to other people, so it's the more comments and the more ratings that you get mm. will then mean that you have worked your way up. Because I was listening to this guy, and he always does it because he's American, so you have to be like subscribe, subscribe. Yeah. Mm. But he was explaining about the the way that the, the algorithm algorithm would work, which right. is, I guess, the same for any anything really on Instagram. Yeah, it's all the same. If it's looking popular, mm. keeps coming through. It would a negative review still do it? I believe so. So we just want engagement. So I'm just saying if you could just do us a a solid. Well, I think I I would say if you got more five stars. Then it would be more recommended to people. More recommended. Unless they've got a recommended section, which is like the shittest podcasts (laughs) online. Imagine that. Maybe you go, what trash is Mm. out there? Well, he was saying that he's made it to the top 100 um, in the world. And he was saying that, you know, people were like, oh, great, you're so successful. And he's like, yeah, it's seven years. Mm, yeah. And he was doing it before people would know what podcasts were. He had to sort of explain, well, you open up, you go here, you try and find it. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, for seven years he's been doing it and now he's made it to the top 100. What's his name? Uh, I don't know his name, actually. Maybe it's Rob. Rob. Uh, it's uh, the Mindset Mentor. Uh-huh. Mm. Mm. Well, that, that would be the hardest thing um, when you start a podcast would be making episodes and making content and it doesn't get listened to because mm. mm. you can actually track it in real time. So imagine that you get one, it's like five listens. Mind you, if he is the mindset expert. Mentor. Mentor. And he doesn't get to be in the top 100, he's probably not that good because he would have set that goal for him in his mind mm. years ago. Mm. But he may not care because he's got such a mind, great mindset. He's like, I'm just doing it. And whether I... Get, get it, it or not. It, it depends not. what his goals were. You don't know what his goal was. Maybe his mm. goal was to lock himself in the room away from anyone else for an hour a day and he's achieved that. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Just, I would love uh, to see a sports <clears throat> star who's playing the most rubbish they've ever played uh, ever mm. to go when they're getting grilled at a press conference. <laughs> Funny you mention it, guys. I'm actually killing it because when I started this season, I thought I'm going to be as shit as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it is harder mm. sometimes to come last come than on. it is come first. That's I've true. thought that with some footing te- football teams because you know yeah. when they get last, they get the first pick. I don't know if for AFL it's the case. In the draft, and I've yeah. just thought if they've gone, hey, guys. We're so shit. Come on. <laughs> well, to be the wooden spoon, like we'd get the best picks. Let's just, you if know, you're third last. Yeah, it makes no difference. But you can imagine, third last yeah. or last. Hey, mate, you've been dropping the ball the whole season. <laughs> the last game, you feel like picking it up? No, no. Okay. Well, that's like when I got my OP. Mm. Uh, it was the old system. Um, one was the best. Twenty-five was the worst, and I got twenty-three. And I was like, What did I do? I can't use I can't use a twenty three for anything. Yeah. I may as well have a twenty five mm. and be in the small group of really bad people. Mm-hmm. But you just want you to know? do that so you could say that you threw it. You can still say you got a twenty five. We'd believe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I didn't even hand in assignments. Like mm. I gave up on school. Mm. I was just I just got ticked off to mm. say I'm here. Mm-hmm. Hello everyone. But you know I was like. Why? What's it matter? 23 doesn't get you anywhere. Well, I did the opposite. I did really, really well. And Mm. we're both in the same position. That's a very good point. 
So now who's the dummy? Well, you at dinner parties compared to me. But, you know, hey, we're still doing the same job. Yeah, but I don't want to be in any of those conversations. You don't, yeah. Or when people go, and what do you think of the state of the world? i got no P of 23, guys. <laughs> they I'm just, out. They that's, turn to someone else. That's why when I go out to dinner with you guys, I turn to my left. I go, Abby, what do you think about the situation in Ukraine? And I get her answer. Then I turn to you and I go, Maddie, what's your favourite colour? <laughs> and I can do both of those conversations and, and I say to you, time. Yeah, because you're in the middle of both of our 100%. score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Podcast. Here we go. Stab Abby and Matt for breakfast. B105. I think everyone was shocked when they woke up on Saturday morning to to hear the news that Shane Warne had passed at only the age of 52 and the outpouring of grief of so many people saying that he was the most amazing man. Mm. Magnus Savansky, I thought, <laughs> summed up with saying how charming he was. She said, I'm a gay woman and even I could find the appeal <laughs> in him. And everyone was saying how special they felt around him. I think not only was he one of the greatest sportsmen that well, the country has seen. Well, he was the greatest spin baller of all time, yeah. wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Spin-baller. But he was also... Just a flat-out Aussie larrikin. Mm. And, you know, we love a larrikin in this country, and he was who he was, and he didn't really care to pretend. Well, you know, when you're watching a lot of sports and you see the athletes and there's not an ounce of fat on them and they're yeah. just toned and they're <laughs> muscly and whatnot, you think, I can't achieve that. And mm. then they cut to Warney in the box waiting for his turn to bat and he's got a pie and a cigarette. And you go, that I could do. Mm. <laughs> and then he turned to being a professional poker player. Mm-hmm. And everyone was That's like, right. there you go. He's mm. a businessman. Mm-hmm. He had a musical named after him. Uh, I did too. Yeah. Very special human being uh, and will be very sadly missed. Warney was an all-time great, a once-in-a-century type cricketer, and his records will live on forever. The gatting ball definitely changed my life. You know, first ball, it was the perfect leg break. First ball in test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. Still first ball in the Ashes series, I think it was just meant to be. We all grew up watching Warney, idolising him. We all had posters on his wall, um, had his earrings. A lot of people say to me, like, oh, Warney's a bit of a wanker. I say, you never met him, have you? And they, no, I haven't. Yeah. If you meet Shane Warne and you have a bit of time with him, you love him. We, we love so much about Warney. Um, you know, his showmanship, his charisma, his tactics, the way he, he just willed himself and the team around him to win games for Australia. And probably above all else, his incredible skill as a leg spinner. Oh, he's bowled him. That has just beaten the outside edge. Richie Richardson was looking very comfortable. And all of a sudden, Shane Warner struck. What a wicket this is for Australia. Oh, yes! What a beauty. Quicker, flatter ball, and it did side Anwar quite beautifully. Oh! Yes, he's bowled in. That is a flipper. Stewart, who's been looking to go down the pitch, looking to cut, hook, line, and sink. One of those great days, the ovation I got when I walked out onto the ground, um, the delay of the 700th wicket of it not quite happening, and then suddenly it happened. It's still the loudest roar I've ever heard of a cricket ground. I've never heard a roar like that. Like, just pure 
happiness and enjoyment for the moment. A lot of people think he is the way he is because of what he's done. He carries on now because of the cricket that he played. Yeah. Mate, I knew him when he was 18, 19. He was a wanker back then. All I tried to do was honest, upfront, and just be me. And along the way, I made plenty of silly mistakes. I've never pretended to be something I'm not, and um, I think that's why people still like me. The game was never the same after Warney emerged, and the game will never be the same after his passing. Rest in peace, King. Stab Abby and Matt for breakfast. B105. Rick, have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? That's not our policy. That's not the policy in a lot of places anymore. It used to be. Mm. It used to be very much like you will always suck it up because customer is always right. And I don't know if it's changed because of social media, because mm. then customers can have their say where it's like, mm, 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 mm. I'm going to respond to that review because I didn't agree with it. Oh, I love it when the owner of a business gets into an argument with a bad Google review yeah. and they go, well, we remember you, Shelley. You and were quite rude. Yeah. And that's why. And that's not how <laughs> what we remembered. And look, there's two sides to this. Uh, but 131060, if you want to complain about your customers, you're quite, it's an open space. Mm-hmm. You can remain anonymous, okay. though, all right? Mm-hmm. Because we went out for dinner with our uh, good friends on Saturday night, and they got there first, and he had booked the place. So I know that he was like, I've never been here before. It's on a recommendation. Let's just try it. And I was like, no worries. We're driving. We can drive wherever. Mm-hmm. So we went there, and we found a park right at the front. We're like, yes. And they were standing out the front. And we're like, okay, let's go in. They're like, no, we've got to go somewhere else. I went, what? We've got to go somewhere else. I was like, what happened? And I could see that he was a bit upset about it. He said, I I can't believe what happened. Mm -hmm. But when the table was there, there was a table of four, and I said, oh, my gosh, it's by the bathrooms. It's right near the toilet. Do you mind? I know you probably really booked. Do you mind if we change to a different table? And then they went and got the manager, and the manager came out, and he said, I'm so sorry. This might be my lot in life. Trying to make a bit of a joke. Mm -hmm. Always by the bathroom. Can have a different table. And apparently he said, no, we're fully booked. And he goes, I get it. You're fully booked. I was just wondering. And then he could see that he was a bit annoyed and he said, I'm sorry if I've upset you. Mm-hmm. And he said that he only said that to defuse the situation. So your mate said to the manager, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry if, if I've upset, upset you. you. And he thought the manager would go, oh, my God, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry, sorry. sorry. Instead, he said, yes, you have. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you for real? And he goes, yes, you have after the week I've had. And my friend's also been dealing with floods and customers. So said, oh, I get it. I've also had the same week. You know, but I'm a customer. Oh, this is when it gets good. And yeah, apparently the manager up. said, you can go down the road to Grilled if you want. Snap. Snap. And my Snap. friend was like, no, don't worry about it. We're going to leave. And he came out and he was all flustered about it. Mm. And I was like, well, there's two people in that situation. <laughs> you can go to Grilled. Yeah, that's what I was like. You can't say like, that. I will. They've got the Bruce Wayne burger. Mm. And I said to him, I said, do you actually want to go to Grilled? Because I'm quite Grilled's happy fine. to. Yeah, we ended up going bread. to um, Gallops. Which, can I just say, is a great place. Yeah. We went to Kino, went to the pokies, had a pub meal. And can I say, I was very overdressed for the place. <laughs> that's, what ha- <laughs> that's what happens, though, I guess, for that manager, if they're fully booked. He probably he doesn't care. Like I guess he doesn't. But I, if I, because I've worked in restaurants before, mm. and if I couldn't, I would have still said, look, I'm really sorry, I would love to. And often I would go, would you like to have a drink mm. by the bar? There is a table that may leave in 30 minutes. That's what I would normally say. Yeah. But you don't know what his level of patience was like before that. Because you've got to remember, when you've got an altercation with someone, it's not about what's happening there. No. It's generally about the previous mm-hmm. experiences you've had and yeah. you're just flustered. Yeah, you're, you're getting the spray that he didn't give Karen, you know, when <laughs> she was in there 
an hour ago complaining about something. But still, yeah. I mean, in this uh, current climate where every small business is suffering, you would think that they would be on think, their bestest behaviour. I think that's what annoyed him because he's also a small business. Yeah. So yeah. because he goes, I have to suck it up mm. when customers come in. And he's normally terrible to his I customers. I expected so. him to yeah. suck it up. You would expect. Yeah, because he goes, imagine if I was how I wanted. Mm. And I was like, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we want to hear this morning um, from, from both sides of the story. But even if you are a business owner and you've had a customer who was wrong, mm. share that story. Mm. We want to know about it. Well, we were talking to Taylor, our producer, who used to be a flight attendant, and she used to say, do you know, like, every person used to come up going, any chance for an upgrade? <laughs> oh, yeah, she worked at the desk at Virgin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, you, we were just talking, well, she's on the phone. We are talking about how you get sick of people asking for an upgrade. Yes, and my favourite line was, oh, honey, I wouldn't even put you in the emergency exit row. Nah. You would say that to them. Yes, when you get it, it's like one in every five passenger asks. You can't say that back. <laughs> I even said to someone, I can try pop you in with the pilots if you want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sassy you could, little mole. You can just pop down to Tiger. You can just pop down to Tiger if you want. <laughs> how, long did you, how long did you last in that job? Uh, a strong eight months, I want to say. <laughs> how many warnings? Like, honestly, uncountable. A folder full. Because that's it. When you're working in customer service, you're supposed to suck it up and be nice mm. regardless. Yes. The my customer fav- is always right. My favourite part of that story is the honey. At the honey. End. Oh, honey. Uh, of course, you get on the air, you get yourself a free tank of fuel for your troubles as well. Hey, Michaela. Hi, guys. How are you going? Good. Straight up, you win. There you go. Awesome. What's your customer service story? Uh, working at Coles, a lady came through the registers with a baby in the trolley, went out to the car, and her baby spewed all over her bread and her groceries, and she came back and asked to exchange them. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh. Right. Well, I mean, it's that's it's a tough one because you cross the threshold of the store. You know, if you're in a store and you've, uh, you drop something. I would something, say as soon as she purchases it, they're hers. No, you can bring it back if there's something wrong with it. Yeah. Like if you were to notice that it was mouldy, Michaela, right, you can bring it back. Oh, definitely. There's yeah. something wrong with the product itself because yeah. of a manufacturing issue. But yeah, you can't put it on the yeah. ground and stomp on it and say, I'm "No, sorry. I know." Yeah. But saying just saying she dropped a whole bag of apples mm. as she was putting them into her trolley. Mm. That's her fault. Then you, would you exchange them then? We have. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Don't I worry, Michaela. I, I heard she tried to return the baby anyway. <laughs> she's, that kind of, she's that kind of person. <laughs> hey, Anita. Hello. Hi. What's your I, um, I work at a, a supermarket, mm-hmm. um, and basically people, they can be really feral. Um, if you stood at the deli and got yourself some chicken breasts, um, and then you've decided halfway through shopping you don't want them, they just randomly put them on a shelf. <laughs> and then we have to find them, like, maybe a day or sometimes two days later. Mm-hmm. That's a good it's point. It's really like a respect thing. And we love our customers, but sometimes you just really, you just shake your head at what they do. Because you can always give it to the checkout person, can't you, and say, I don't want exactly. this anymore, can you put and it back? And they can call and they can put it back. Mm. But once it's put on the shelf, it's it's written off. Yeah. So it's really sad. It's just a respect thing. And, and we're there for the customers, but they're really sometimes not there for us. All right. There are a lot of Coles grievances this morning. Yeah. So listen up, everyone. <laughs> Peter in Petrie, what's your customer service gone bad story? 
Um, I worked in fast food since I was 14, and it was always the customer was always rah, 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 rah. But now, <laughs> now I work at Subway, and obviously we've been affected by floods with getting vegetables and bread and chicken and everything again. And we were moving along the line yesterday, and somebody had brought a sub, and we got to the salad part. And because we didn't have tomato, they're like, oh, I don't ever want that. And I'm like, oh. <sighs> Oh, I'm like, I'm terribly sorry, but due to shortages, we cannot get that product in at the moment. It's like you have to deal with it. It's like your personal thing as if you went, today, no tomatoes, not going to chop them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for your call, Peter. We uh, have an anonymous Ooh. coming through. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, now this is an interesting workplace. <laughs> <laughs> Dealt with them a bit, these people. <laughs> you can complain about your customers. What is it? Um, hi, I work for a government company. Uh-huh. All right. Um, and we get abused on the daily. I had someone last week that told me that they hope my mum dies of AIDS. Wow. Um, and that I have to be real smart to get a job where I got my job. And like, you know, it's just, it's just full oh. on. Yeah. That's horrible because let's just say that I guess the government sector that you work for is not that popular with everyone. But to, no. it's not, it's not but your But we're just fault. doing our job. Yeah. When, yeah. Like, you know, when we we are told to maintain mm. our, um, you know, our happy bubbly personality and stuff like that, mm. <laughs> obviously we've got to read the room a bit, but we still get, we just have to take it. Yeah. yeah. See, I know someone that worked I mean? in your department and for a whole year refused to tell people where he worked. Yeah, right. He used to make it up just because of the effect that it would have on I people. Get, yeah, yeah, I do get that. And then it's just like, well, how how do I go around this? And it's just like, look, no, I don't, I'm not losing my job. Mm. Right. So, we, how, we can't say, can, you mean, I think we all know the government and, agency, but can mm. we just, for those who don't, say it? Or you... <laughs> I prefer not, yeah. only because no. I'd like to keep my job. Yeah, Absolutely. Do you ever <laughs> give people, uh, like, can you give people reviews, like, next to their name? So when they call up, they might have a bit of a warning? No, like, we can put a note on there that says, um, like, we do our notes, but we're not allowed to say mm. at all um, anything impersonal. Right. So we're not okay. actually not, we have to keep it because it's public record. Oh, yeah, okay. And so when you put them on hold as well, mm-hmm. um, and we've talked to people about this before, do you have the system where you can say you're going on hold, they hear the music, but you can still hear what they say about you? No, I wish I could. Oh, that's oh, that's yeah, cool yeah, centres. Yeah. They I'd do that. game changer. Yeah. I just sit there and listen for, like, ages. <laughs> <laughs> Stab Abby and Matt for breakfast. B105. Flood-impacted schools have been racing through their repairs, ready to welcome back hundreds of Queensland students. Six state schools and several private schools are still too damaged to reopen, with students there forced to continue remote learning. Yeah, but Maddie's uh, school was shut for a little bit longer than most people in Oxley, so you're looking forward to the kids going back to school today. Oh, the power's out for the week, and let me tell you, when we got the email, school's back on. I rejoice. <laughs> One person I'll be happy as well is the Minister for Education, Minister for in- Industrial Relations and Minister for Racing as well. Grace, Grace, good morning. Good morning to you all. Now, how did how did you feel at the end of uh, last week? I want to address that first because it was very hard. I know Anastasia Palaszczuk and a lot of people came out and said, if you had got the information that we got yeah. about how dire straight the weather was, you would understand cancelling schools. Absolutely, 100% correct. And um, I guess my inspiration comes from 
people out in the field are just the general public who understand exactly why we take decisions in the manner in which we do. And honestly, if you were all at the briefing that we were at early that morning, you would have made exactly the same call. Safety always comes first. And I'd rather have seen a cloudy day the next day than any student or family in a tragic circumstance. Yeah, fair enough. And there are still a few... A few um Schools closed today. There are only six, but there are still some affected by the floods, yeah? It really is a remarkable effort of everyone on the ground, principals, school staff, local community, QBuild that's helping us out. We had out on Thursday about 64, 65 schools. We're down to six, wow. severely impacted. And they are Milton Rockley, One Mile and St Helen State Schools and Milpera and Aviation State High School, so six. And already contingencies are in place for remote learning, new buildings, um, you know, a location at other schools. The department does a remarkable job and I want to thank everybody who have done and pulled together to get this happening. I hope that it doesn't happen again because if I spoke to you a couple oh of years God. ago, yeah, but if we spoke a couple of years ago and we said that, you know, schools were just shutting all the time, you'd go, <laughs> doesn't happen. It never happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, kids have always wanted it to happen, but it don't <laughs> happen. So... Moving forward, we always hope that it's not going to. But do you think the communication, I guess, could be a little bit more improved of how principals get the information and then deliver it to the the parents? I mean, we always look at how do we best refine our communication strategy. And the good thing that you kind of comes out of these terrible events is that we always refine, we always review. Cabinet's having a big discussion today about, you know, recovery. What did we do? Well, how can we do it better? Look, that is what good government does. That is what good departments do. And I expect nothing less from our cabinet and also my department and government in general. We always look to see how can we make this better? There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings mm-hmm. and safety, in my view, always comes number one. On a different note, um, Minister Grace Grace, you know, yes. one of the big things uh, in school is detention as well as the education. You know, there's there's got to be that system in there. So I went to a school, uh, a high school that did Wednesday afternoon detentions and Saturday detentions. If schools want to do stuff like that, do they have to get that signed off like further up the chain? How- look, they yeah. Look, it's it's a very good question, and we do have very strict um, rules around exclusions, um, suspensions, and all of that kind of stuff. And every student has a behavioural management plan, and part of that implements um, you know what is expected of those students. Look, schools do a remarkable job in this space, and you have to balance between obviously students can't get away with some of the things that they do want to get away with, <laughs> but at the same time, understanding that um, there's a just system. And that's exactly right. Mm. And there's a justice system and all of that. And um, I think they do a remarkable job. We have, um, you know, 580,000 students in the state system and um, we can always refine and review those as well. And we're currently doing that at the moment. Well, it, that's a good point that Maddie makes, though. If he was at Saturday Detention, we, the kids, some of them have missed three weeks this year. Would we propose maybe doing like a Sunday or a Saturday school for everyone? 
Oh, look, I don't know how Come on. that happens these Think about days, it. to be honest with you. <laughs> but when you consider Queensland the last couple of years and <sighs> even this year with what we've had with the pandemic, you compare us down south, we've done a pretty good job. Yeah. There was no school for six months in New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT. We were the only schools open for six months. The second half of the year, those schools were totally closed. So we've done a pretty good job in not just closing schools at LIB. We um, have done a remarkable job when you compare us to every other state and territory in Australia and indeed the world. I think the Premier on her trip to London, there were some um, um, schools at the time that I think were closed to Japan, sorry. There were, there were um, schools that were closed for 14 months yeah, so wow, we've time. done a pretty good job. And when Very you good. take that advice and you want safety first, look, mm. the, the weather didn't happen. Mm. Um, but like I said, I'd rather see a cloudy or a blue sky than a student or a family in a tragic circumstance. And, and they're the calls we have to make Absolutely. as leaders. Uh, well, Minister Grace Grace, uh, good to know school is back on. Please do not cancel it again if you don't have to. Uh, <laughs> great to talk to you this morning. Thanks for your time. We will try our best and welcome back to all the students. <laughs> Stab Abby and Matt for breakfast. B105. Hey, Alpha Bucks, $10,000. That's what it's worth. If you want to get yourself some money tomorrow, the 8th of March, 8 o'clock, we'll play. Here's some answers. Your letter is W and three of the answers are Wine, Will Smith and Win. Win. Stab Abby and Matt for breakfast. B105. 24 years in the police and 25 of them dedicated to the homicide squad. Gary Jubilin has earned himself a reputation as one of Australia's most formidable detectives. Yeah, this is some true crime stuff right here, isn't it? Women love it. You guys don't like it? Oh, no, I do. But we're just, you know, mm. women just plot the killings of their husbands in these podcasts, I reckon. No, that is not true. We want to solve things. It's got nothing to do with that. You can catch this guy, uh, his live show, I Catch Killers. It's going to be on Friday, March the 11th at the Brisbane Convention Centre. Tickets on sale now at Ticketek. (laughs) Gary Jubin, good morning. (laughs) I'm sorry. Morning, guys. How are you? Good. Do you find actually because you are uh, you were a detective and you've been on some of the most high profile cases in the country. Um, have you found that women or men mostly want to sit down and pick your brain? I, I think there's curiosity from both sides, but I, I've got to say the women seem to be the uh, the main consumers of the true crime. Yep. yep. Mm. But then when it comes to detective, I, I don't know if there's more homicide detectives that are male or female. Oh, definitely there's more homicide detectives that are males, but it's changing and yeah. changing for the better. We're getting more and more uh, females into the work, but it's very demanding and it sort of mucks up your uh, your home life a fair bit if mm. you're a committed homicide detective. It's like we like to do it without getting paid. Um, So, yeah. No, can we talk about on a serious note? Because you have worked on some very high-profile cases. William Terrell uh, was one of them, and I think everyone always looks at, you know, the little Spider-Man, the the boy that went missing, and still we don't know answers to that. You were on that case for for four years. You did get stood down. Do you want to explain what that was for? Yeah, well, there's no... uh... From my point of view, there's disappointment, but no shame in it. I ran the investigation for four years. I took it over five months after he disappeared, and that's that uh, uh, young boy disappearing in a small country town. Mm. Uh, The circumstances in which I was taken off, I I suppose I've got to say controversial, but uh, I make no apologies. I was um, 
following the investigation down the line and uh, I recorded some conversations on my telephone and the powers that be thought uh, that was uh, inappropriate and uh, that was the end of my policing career. Right. Isn't but, that your job though, Gary? Like I would have expected police to record conversations and also bug cars. Like I thought that's how you've solved crime. Well, we could get into the nitty-gritty of it. In fact, the person I was recording the conversations of on my phone, there was a listening devices approved by judges that, mm. uh, in the place. So, yeah, it's. I, I think this, the sadness of the William Tyrrell matter is that, yeah, the focus should be on finding what happened to William. Yeah. Uh, as a police force, we should be judged by whether we can solve this crime. It's... Uh, it's one that needs to be solved mm. uh, for the families, but also the community. Yeah, definitely. Because what's weird, and we have rules here for broadcast where we're recording people. And, You're being recorded at the moment, by the way, Gary. Um, yeah, just so you know. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> are, you re- are you recording us, actually? Um, but, yeah, it's all right. I'm recording this. <laughs> so you were having a conversation with this person on the phone. Um, and it was someone you suspected of knowing what happened to William. So th- they knew you were talking. But why wouldn't you be allowed to record it if you're an official police homicide detective? Of course you were going to be using the information. Um, yeah. Why can't no, you record? Exactly. I, I was recording it to protect my um, own lawful interests if allegations were made against me. There was four uh, conversations, three of which were at his home where I was on my own. And uh, if allegations were made, I wanted something to say, well, hold it. I didn't say that yeah. because of this. That's the basis I went in there, and uh, yeah, it's you're not the only people to be confused by the whole process, and uh, yeah. Gary, do you think they're going to find answers for that? I the way, and I'm watching from the outside. So mm. The way I saw it, 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 it didn't give me a great deal of confidence how how it played out. It started off with a lot of, uh, yeah, um, we've got a breakthrough and the dramatic surge that uh, seemed to uh, peter out. So, mm. yeah. Well, I, having, having said that, I would suggest not a police officer in New South Wales or anywhere across the country that doesn't want this matter solved. No, so they're, they're trying, but mm. uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get results. On a, on a bit of a brighter note, uh, this doesn't happen very often, so I have to ask. We normally ask people, who do you think would play you if they made a movie out of you? You've been in Underbelly, and the person that played you was Matt Nabel. Were you happy with the casting? Yeah, I, I, I'd feel like I was cheating on Matt if I said I, I wouldn't want Matt playing me again. <laughs> I, I, was, I was very happy with Matt, and uh, we've become uh, good friends uh, uh-huh. since. And uh, He definitely uh, understood the essence of who I was, and uh, I felt comfortable. He can actually play me better than I can play myself. Gary, a, a wise man that I w- w- work with uh, told me this, that uh, most of the people Stav picked up, because it is about him. What did I say? Most people that get murdered are by someone that they... New. Do you what is the percentage of that? I, I couldn't break it down into the percentage, but certainly when we approach a, um, a murder investigation, we look at ground zero victimology. Mm-hmm. Who who is the victim associated with? So, the I, I would say there's yeah, I'll throw a figure out, but uh, don't quote me on it. There's mm-hmm. probably thirty percent, and that that's from my experience mm-hmm. that uh, people that uh, people that are known uh, to to the victim. But, yeah, that's certainly a starting point where we start. But uh, what I've found in all the years I've been investigating homicide, that uh, 
things can always take a twist and turn. Mm. I only said that to Abby so she wouldn't do it to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got it out there publicly. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I but like now it's so obvious people won't suspect me. You know <laughs> what I mean? And maybe it's a double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How um how bizarre is it when you're in those interview rooms and you've got someone and you know you've got them. You know it's them. You've got all of the the evidence and they're sitting there bald faced lying to you and just inventing stories. Has has it amazed you over your twenty two years of, of being a, a detective, just how people can almost believe their own lies? Oh, most definitely. And uh, like, I love the interview room. That was my happy place, the intensity of the interview room. And uh, quite often people's denials are as good as a confession because I know the evidence that we got. Mm. Yeah, keep telling me this story, telling me that story. And uh, I do believe what you're saying there. I, I think some people just deny it, no matter what happens, just deny it. And eventually, whether they, you know, you'd have to speak to a psychologist about this, whether they actually believe it, but they certainly come across convincing mm. um, in their denials. And uh, there's a lot of people that are in jail that are still to this day denying their involvement. Mm. And that must be a strange feeling too when you realise that you are in the room with a killer. You come out um, and you come out drained because of the intensity, the emotional intensity of being in that close proximity to someone. Mm. Um, and then when it's someone that's you know, really evil, you come out and you feel a little bit dirty. Yeah, yeah. so you've got to build you've got to build that rapport with them in the interview room. So you make that connection. But then when you walk, you get what you've needed. But when you walk out, you feel a little bit dirty. Do you offer them sandwiches and coffee and stuff like you see on the movies? Is it like that? Yeah. Well, you approach each interview differently. Like sometimes it would serve my position better to come in and be very professional. Other times it might serve my position to uh, come in and shake your hand, sit down, have a casual chat, build up that rapport. So there's different ways of approaching it in the interview room. Wow. See, the interview room is what I would like. I reckon. Yeah. We can I, get you there. Well, I just always feel like, uh, yeah, I think that's what women always do is we can tell when someone's lying. Like some people are really bad liars, aren't they, Gary? <laughs> they are. They're shockers. They're, they're absolute shockers. But, yeah, at least they're in there having a go, I suppose. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. <laughs> at the end of the interview, you pat them on the back. Good on you, mate. You tried. <laughs> you tried. But yeah. we've got you. That, 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 was, that was a great effort. Yeah. 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 But, uh, uh, Gary Jubelin, uh, we could sit here and talk to you all day, mate, or we could just go to Ticketek and buy a ticket to come to your live show, I Catch Killers. It's March 11 at the Brisbane Convention Centre. You've also got your podcast uh, as well, I Catch Killers, um, and a book and the whole lot. So thanks for your time this morning. Cheers, guys. Stab Abby and Matt for breakfast. B105. We're attempting to do it again. Uh, but this time we're doing it for Lent because Lent, you give up something and you replace it with prayer, you said. Correct. Well, that's I wasn't the, sure. That's I w- the theory if you're Catholic. Yeah, because I went to a Catholic school and we had to uh, work out what we were giving out for Lent. But I didn't mm. know it was to do prayer. It was just something that you sort of had to do so in your religion you, classes. When mm. you normally would do that thing that you give up. Are you supposed to pray in that time? Well, Maddie knows more about it than I do, and I went to a Catholic yeah. school, so I'm a bit yeah. confused. Let's just yeah. say if it was like, um, example, I'm giving up PlayStation. So then every time you would sit down to play PlayStation, you don't do that, you go and pray. Pray, yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Hubby and I decided for Lent, uh, we are giving up alcohol because it starts, I God, think, God, that's a lot of prayer. prayer. <laughs>
guys are loving it. Can I give you a couple of things as well? You could probably knock over, some, knock over some stuff for me. Gandhi level stuff right there, man. So obviously, Hubby and I are going to achieve world peace with all the prayer that we're doing. At least no, no, no. Inner peace. 2022 has been fixed. Abby's not drinking and she's praying. Oh, you guys know that we just don't have, we should have a good relationship with alcohol for our hey, age. We don't, right? What are you doing? You should be praying right now. <laughs> That's not true. Praying in the car on the way in. We don't drink Monday to Thursday, but uh-huh. then we sort of go hard on the weekend. And then just with everything that's been going on, we were kind of having a bottle here and there during the week, breaking our rules. And we're like, we have to sort of get back into fitness. It will be good for us. And we said, so Lent uh, finishes on the 14th of April. We uh-huh. went, well, we'll do a... Uh, a, half Lent. We'll do half Lent because mm. your event is on the second mm. and we wouldn't want to not be supporting you by having a few drinks there. You don't have to drink for me. No, 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 no. I know. No, no. I know you wouldn't be happy. No, so no, we're like, no, I'll put you on the dry no, table. It's done. So no, if she doesn't drink at your boxing match, she you could pray for your safety during it. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord, I pray that, 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 that Stab doesn't get punched. I'm going to need that. That's all right. I can still do that if you want. Doesn't count if you're drinking. Or you don't think God's going to hear me if I'm drinking? No. Hey, if it's red wine, he would be quite accepting of it. This wine was water before you started. (laughs) It's going to be water in 12 hours. What have you given up for Lent? Oh, you're not Catholic? Uh, well, I I don't know. I haven't done Lent this year. I've been slack. I I I, guess you don't really have to if you're not Catholic, though. Well, Well, I am Catholic. I've done my first Holy Communion and stuff. But, I mean, it's all... You can sometimes you do it, sometimes, sometimes you, don't. you don't. Yeah, see, I can do a bridge version because I'm baptized yeah. Anglican. Oh, okay. I mean, you I'm can do. Hell, so you can know. give anything up anytime. <laughs> yeah, you know? of course. It's just. Yeah. But the superiority that I got for an event on Friday because I was hosting the small steps for Hannah, and thank you to everyone that came along. It was an absolutely amazing event. I thought people might go, "Oh, wait a minute, with the storms, we shouldn't go." Mm. Full house. Great. And right. I think it's because everyone was like, "School's out." Mm-hmm. Bugger them. Mm-hmm. We're going to the event, and. I am normally the person that will get into it at the end and last time I couldn't find my bag and someone had to go and find my bag. By that, I lost the umbrella. I lost all these things. I had to call the hotel the next day and they were like, were you here for this event? Add it to the list. It's all gone missing. But because I wasn't drinking, mm. everyone was like, where's where, where your drink? I'll give you a drink. And that. you were like, oh, no, no, I'm not. Yeah. And it was just easier just to hold a wine glass with mm. water in it. Yeah. And I had to sort of sneak out after because people weren't accepting. Oh, she might be pregnant. She's the abbey. That's the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. She's put away, so maybe. Uh, and I was walking people to the lift. Like, you'll be all right. We all drink too much, so much. Uh, yeah. Here's your bag. He, oh, no, no, I'll go and get it. You stay here. The superiority I felt at an event mm. where I wasn't drinking and other people were mm. is the best feeling in the world. Better than being drunk. It is so good. Uh. Walking people to cabs mm-hmm. and just going, oh, you'll be fine. And then the next day you're getting text messages going, does, Where's anyone, my wallet? does anyone need any Gatorade? You're like, yeah. oh, yeah, no worries. Wow. You know what, though? As that person, you're not allowed to repeat anything that's said uh-uh. or done. Because I, I, and I, I don't, and you know what I say to them? I say, recall everything. We're fine. Perfect. You are absolutely yeah, lovely. Good. good on you. Really? You were drunk. I didn't even notice that you were drunk. Yeah, honestly, and I've, I've got your underwear here if you just want to rock around and grab it. Yeah. No, I'm definitely not that that girl because I don't like it when people say that yeah. to me and go, "Oh my god, how are you feeling?" Hmm. You're like, "What do yeah. you mean how I'm feeling?" After last night when you, "Oh my god," and you're like, "No, no, no don't do that." How bad would it be though if they were still saying that? Oh, like, yeah, they thought you were drunk, but you weren't. Or you are just completely sober, but you act yeah. up. I got cut off a bar once when I was sober. I was a designated driver, 
And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give myself a night out where I can still do it. Right. Mm. So I was on the dance floor and everyone was doing some dance moves. I was doing the, the whipping around and I sort of lost balance of my hair and yeah. stumbled over. And they were like, sorry, you've got to go out. I'm like, I'm not drinking. Mm. Now, of course, if you are drunk, you keep telling someone that you're not drunk. Yes. So because I kept saying it, he's like, no, that's it. You cut off. Mm. I'm like, but I'm driving people home. And he goes, well, you shouldn't. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> We're not kicking out for being drunk. It's your shit dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what the problem is. Stab Abby and Matt for breakfast. B105. Yes, this is very exciting because Stav is going to go on his first charity boxing match. I say first because you might get a taste of it after this and go, oh, this is my thing. Oh, okay. Yep. And we thought we'd get a little bit of advice uh, from a professional boxer. She's on SAS Australia, Ebony Bridges. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys going? Uh, we're very well. Now, you, you've got quite the uh, impressive career. You are the Australasian yeah. female super bantamweight uh, title holder since 2020. You're about to go for a world, fight, uh, world title fight. Um, and yep. you've been on SAS. <laughs> Calm down a little, Ebony. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what would your advice be to uh, an amateur like Stav who's about to go and do his first fight? Oh, man, you just got to enjoy it, hey? <laughs> like, um... Yeah, go and enjoy that. Enjoy everything about it. Obviously, the training. Um, my, I always say to people, you know, obviously train hard because um, then when you go in there and you're walking out, you know you've done everything and then just enjoy the moment. And you're going to feel sick. You probably want to vomit because you'll be so nervous. And then you just got to know that once you throw that first punch, all the training that you've done should come out. And, yeah, just enjoy punching face. <laughs> that I can get behind. Yep. Hey, Benny, do you know what I've realised? That you were a school teacher and Jeff Horn was a school teacher. Is it something yeah. about the stress of <laughs> having to deal with kids? You can't hit the kids, so... Like, it, just seems, it seems like that there's a lot of teachers that then go into fighting. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I don't know. Um, I was always a fighter, so I think um, it was more maybe... <laughs> the other way around. Okay. But, yeah. Um. <laughs> Nick, you, um, you sell your socks after fights. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I sell my socks after training sessions. Wow. But, yeah. I'm going to guess, I'm, well, I'm gonna I guess that? that there's only males that buy them. Right, Ebony? As far as I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I don't... You, don't ruin my side hustle. No, you, could, you would still have to sell them to guys. So, I just don't imagine girls wanting to buy them. They could wash them for me. No. Oh, no. no. Definitely, definitely seems like a male thing. Yeah, it yeah. totally seems yeah. like a male thing. So, I guess I shouldn't uh, go to my way in and lingerie like you either. Hey, give it a crack. You know what? You'll get the views. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, might, you might get a lot of fans. You might get a lot of inboxes and DMs, depending on what you're into. But I'm sure you definitely still get some love. Yeah. <laughs> so you sell Maybe not from who you want. <laughs> <laughs> the socks you sell, obviously, um, it's, some dudes are into that sort of thing. How how much money have you made from selling the socks, and where do you sell them? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I've lost count of how much money. I don't know, like over thousands, like wow. over ten thousand, easy. Wow. Um, where do I who, where do I sell them? Um, I just get um, I get inboxed for them all the time. Wow. I suppose um, word spreads. I'll put a tweet out, or there'll be news like this, and it will go out on Twitter, or it'll go in a yeah. newspaper, and then it will go through the world, and then they'll just come from far uh, all around inboxing me, and um, right. yeah, they pretty much say, "Do you want to?" 
can buy your socks. And I'm like, yeah, sweet, no worries, five hundred pounds or thousand dollars, wherever they're from. Wow. Here's my PayPal. Put the money in, give me your address, and you're yours. Fantastic. Why not? I, yeah. cool. I never, I never appreciate. I mean, it how... can be simple. Sometimes they try and flirt about it. Mm. But, yeah, you're yeah. like, no, 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 just give me the money. I'll send you the socks. You know, yeah. they're like, yep. oh, how do they smell? <laughs> and can I see a picture? You know, and I'm like, I'm not, tell- I'm not giving you any insights into my socks until you give me some money. <laughs> <laughs> I never realised how big foot fetishes are. Yeah, it's massive. Huge. Yeah. But you know, I'm not sure if it's just because my my fan base or my you know my name is big in Europe and and mm. in the UK. So all my customers, I should call them, mm. are from there. I haven't really sent any socks to Australia, so I don't know if it's big in Australia or it's just because I don't have it. I'm, I'm just, you know, like most of my fans are from overseas, so I don't know if you're, you know, you know who your local foot sniffer is. Could be anyone in the office. Could, could be sitting right beside I've you now. Suspected. Wow! So you don't have to have you don't have to send a photo of authenticity to show that they were actually on my feet. Um, you know. No, sometimes they do ask for a photo, but um, yeah. I feel like a lot of times I just want a free photo of my socks, yeah. so I make them pay. Oh. They have to give me a oh. deposit <laughs> for a picture. Wow. Right, yeah. so you, you I get... actually do. I actually sell the photo, the pictures of my socks on the floor, like do your laundry, mm-hmm. sold up for like $150. Wow. You kidding me? Without even my feet in them. Not yeah. even my feet in them, just mm. dirty just socks the sock. on the floor. This is great. Maddie, you don't yeah, get all jealous. Sock. You can't do it. It's not the oh, same. No. No, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> No, I don't. Well, I don't look like Ebony, so it's very much not going to be the same. <laughs> but no, this is, it's crazy what people it is will bizarre. spend money on, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Feed your I mean, thing. I've been asked for. I've probably been asked for worse, but um, that's the socks is about the socks and the feet is about as far as I go, just for the banter. Well, you know, we, yeah. we, banter, we got you on for tips for my boxing match, so I'm writing all this down. Um, yes. Sell. Socks. Socks. Hey, uh, <laughs> go in there and uh, honestly, for your boxing, go in there and smash and just don't be a pussy. Okay. Just, um, if you get hit, smash. Don't <laughs> be a pussy. Maybe he needs you because he wanted someone in the ring with him to give him that pep talk. And I was like, who do you want, yeah. Maddie and I? And he said, neither of you. Yeah. So I maybe it that. could be Ebony. Yeah, I'd take Ebony. Yep. If you get hit, just hit back harder. Okay, got it. <laughs> it's your first fun. You just gotta have fun, honestly. You just gotta have fun. Your right. first fight is going there and have fun. Hey, mate, I'm just going to be thinking about all the money I'm making afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Ebony Bridges, SAS Australia. We can see you on there as well. Seven thirty, Channel Seven Seven Plus. Great to talk to you. You too, guys. Stab Abby and Matt for breakfast. B one hundred and five. I want to take a quick moment here just to say. And I know everyone's been talking about it after the floods, um, how great it is to see um, Queensland spirit coming through our city at the moment. We've been through a lot. Everyone has, you know, with the um, pandemic, businesses have been um, struggling. Then the flood came through. 2022 has felt like the longest year already. Yes. On Saturday, um, the Martin Army was out and about. Uh, it did such a great job that uh, a text message went out last night, right, saying... Yeah, well, I signed up for the, Friday, uh, for the Sunday afternoon. And then on Saturday uh, evening or late uh, Saturday afternoon, I checked the email and it said uh, no longer required. Tools down. Mm. It's like that's from the block. But they were just saying that they, uh, I guess, had gone. I think it was around before the block. Well, that's just what it was saying in the saying. I was <laughs> yeah. like, they're using a little bit of a joke. I thought yeah. it was good. Oh, Scotty Camp texted me. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, it has been wonderful, the people that have been out in full force. 
So mm. I think they were also concerned about the storms yeah, right on Sunday. Kind of, yeah, was yeah. But I think it's because a lot of people like yourself had sort of gone, well, I, I won't register for there. I'll just go mm. out in my area or an area close by that needs help and has offered. So mm. they've got it done a bit quicker. And it was it was just insane. I was over at Archerfield at a, a lovely lady's place by the name of Cara. Her friend uh, put us in touch, and my new mate Dan, the Sparky, was oh, yeah. over there um, mm-hmm. to, f- fixing up her power for her. How is Dan? Dan, Dan and I are like nearly best mates. I know. Now. He was a, he brought the whole family over to my house on Saturday night. Dude, we had a how, barbecue so and some beers. Dan wow. uh, reached out to Maddie and they got in touch. And he's a Sparky that volunteered his time to help people out so they wouldn't get ripped off. Yeah. Getting yeah. you know all their electrics done. What's how old is he? Uh, Dan would be in his forties. Yeah. Yeah. He's got three kids. Mm-hmm. What are you guys going to do next weekend? Dunno. You still have to go around to a few people's houses. He or? might. He might. He, he's been talking about getting out as much as he can. Might head out to Ipswich or, or Logan. But mm-hmm. really nice man. Paid all all the gear himself. Yeah. And was going around doing people's electricity. Um, Jim's Electrical is who he works for. He's an amazing guy. Um, but it was really nice to see on Saturday. We were over at Kara's uh, place at Archerfield, and she had all of her friends and family there. Um, I was in there, he was there, and then there was just literally people walking down the street. There was mm. one guy who turned up, Scott, really nice fella, and had his two daughters there, just said, hey, we live at Cooper's Plains. Um, we're fine, but we're just in the area if you need help. And, you know, he just walked in, and it was bizarre to think we were strangers. Mm. Mm. We were strangers of the the girl who owned the house, we were in her bedroom pulling stuff from underneath her, her bed. Mm. And it was just, you would never have any other time where someone would knock on the door and be like, hey, do you want me to clean your house up? Yeah. <laughs> it's the saddest thing about it, but disasters bring people together. Mm. And I know it's yeah. the saddest, but like you kind of go, we're waiting for that moment. But it's like all the barriers of, I wouldn't want a stranger in my house mm. or I'm not going to give my time sort of goes out the window and brings yeah. people together. And we're all sitting around at lunchtime, eating a sandwich, just talking, you're learning about people. And, and it is bizarre in times like this when you realise we're so busy, like, getting here, going there, worrying about what we're doing and where we're going to go next, that if you just stop sometimes and talk to a neighbour mm. or, you know, like, give even an hour of your time to someone, the massive, massive impact, you know? We're always trying to change the world and mm. always thinking, oh, how can, you know, we fix this over there and fix that? But maybe it's a time to stop and think about your own little... Community. Community mm. and, and work on there and that small change can really turn into anything. There was people saying that they'd only met their neighbours throughout this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they were sort of like living their own world, didn't really want to keep in contact and then when something like this happens, it's like, do you need any help? Yeah. Yeah. And that same thing happened in my mum's street, you know. Um, she lives alone and we met all, all of her neighbours and they're all looking out for her now. Yeah. You know? mm. And that gives you a sense of pride and you feel safe that there's other people who've got, got an eye on your family. So I just, I just wanted to say it was amazing to see everyone out. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hope we do not have to go through something like that again. And you've made a new friend. The community spirit. Staff, Abby and Matt. Brisbane wakes up with Staff, Abby and Matt on B105.